Stock is a term commonly used for one's ownership in a company or organization. Those who own stock are called as shareholders. On paper, a shareholder owns a percentage of all the assets owned by the company. Today, every one of us at least heard of the term stock or stock market. However, stock markets weren't there for the most part of human history. They haven't always played a pivotal role in the economics of the affluent, forget about the common man. The history of the stock markets is fascinating and somewhat unclear. There are no formal records available for many of the early stock tradings that are believed to have happened in ancient Rome. Even though first organized stock exchanges were not developed till the late 1500s, there is some anecdotal evidence which describes the stock and debt markets in France and Italy for periods as early as the 11th century. In this series of articles, I am going to dwell into the history as well as past bubbles of the stock market spread across the continents. The joint stock companies became a necessity during the various expeditions in the 16th century. Christopher Columbus, Vasco da Gama, and Ferdinand Magellan rediscovered the New World for the Europeans. Many traders, rulers, and travelers started their own expeditions in search of new lands to gain more power and wealth. But in those times, sea voyages were extremely tough and precarious, even the shortest sea voyages were perilous. Many sailors lost their lives due to seasickness, hot weather, rats, scurvy, storms, pirate attacks, and shortage of food. All these circumstances resulted in a few rich people starting to invest in these sea explorations and voyages without active participation. To reduce the risk, these people introduced the notion of joint risk and diversified investment. Instead of one person financing the complete single exploration, a group of people started to fund many expeditions. This marked the beginning of not only stocks and companies, but also the insurance. Let us look at one small example to get the idea of joint risk. Let us say that five explorations or sea voyages are about to start. You have $100 to invest in these expeditions. Now, if you put all your money in one voyage, chances are you will earn a huge sum in profits if the exploration succeeds. But there is also a fair bit of chance of failure or shipwreck, and in such case you would end up losing all your money. Instead of such investment, if you invest $20 in each exploration, the chances of losing all $100 are slim as that will require all five ships or explorations get destroyed. This is the basic idea behind the diversification or joint risk. Most people would happily be satisfied with lesser profits than taking chances of outright loss. This exact same principle emerged as the one of the building blocks in the formation of company, and eventually a stock market. The above concept finally materialized into the first formal public company in 1602 Dutch East India Company. This company largely drew its profits from the trades of spices and textile with South Asian countries, mainly the Mughal India. Many scholars consider this megacorporation as an early model of vertically integrated global supply chain. Dutch East India Company was a government-backed venture, which issued the bonds and shares of stock to the public. The Dutch Stock Exchange was then set up near the company's office at Amsterdam in 1611. About 50 years before the Dutch East India Company, there were three gentlemen from London, who founded the Mystery and Company of Merchant Adventurers for the discovery of regions, dominions, islands, and places unknown, Muscovy. This company gave good returns in its first expedition to Moscow, but gradually the company lost its fame and lasted fewer years than the number of letters in its name. Now, let's talk about the company which conquered, subjugated, and looted numerous empires in South Asia. The corporation which acted as an agent of British atrocities in India for more than a century, East India Company. On September 4, 1599, a group of about 80 merchants came together in London's Founders Hall and stated their intention to venture in the pretended voyage to the East Indies, the which it may please the Lord to prosper, and the sums that they will adventure, committing about $3 million in today's money. 
They applied to the Queen for the approval and support of this adventure. After a lot of debates and discussions, this company was incorporated by the Royal Charter on December 31, 1600. For a period of 15 years, the Charter awarded the newly formed company a monopoly for a trade with almost all the countries. The monopoly grew stronger in the latter half of the 17th century and the company started to get involved in politics. Eek built its own army and was instrumental in the foundation of British rule in India. You can get the idea of the scale of this organization from the fact that its head office had a staff of 300 people in 1700, which is a large number even by today's standard. In 1760, Eek issued the dividend of 50% on each share, which had a value of about 300 pounds. Although the company showed multifold growth in profits and size, many British people including a vast number of members of parliament opposed the monopoly and non-regulated trades of the company. Finally, as a consequence of the Great Indian Rebellion of 1857, Eek was dissolved by the East India Stock Dividend Redemption Act, 1873. The story of stock exchanges is also fascinating, although there is no consensus regarding the origin of them. Even though first formal stock markets didn't materialize until the 16th century, there are a plethora of early examples of similar markets. There is as early evidence as the era of Roman Empire, where there is documentation of share trading as Cicero, a Roman statesman, claimed that shares were trading high at the time of his speech. In the 12th century, in France, couriers de change managed agricultural debts throughout the country on behalf of banks. This is nothing but the brokerage in modern-day terms. During the 13th century, competition among the Italian merchants in Alexandria increased and the city of Venice became the supreme economic power due to the treaties with the sultans of Egypt. Soon after, these merchants of Venice also started to trade government securities and those were joined by the bankers in the nearby cities of Pisa, Florence, and Genoa. Sir Thomas Gresham founded the Royal Exchange in London on January 23, 1571. But the British capital had to wait for another 127 years to have the first systematic exchange of securities, Jonathan's Coffee House. In the same period, many dealers were expelled from the Royal Exchange as a consequence of violence and rowdiness, all these dealers then shifted to this coffee house for conducting their businesses. Unfortunately, this place was destroyed by the fire incident in 1748, and it was rebuilt in subsequent years. Finally, some dealers from this coffee house built a new building in Sweeting's Alley, which is now known as London Stock Exchange. The New York Stock Exchange, the largest stock exchange in the world was founded in 1792 by the 24 brokers who signed the Buttonwood Agreement. Later, it was moved to 40, Wall Street, which is the most influential street in today's financial world. The commencement of NYSE can be regarded as the beginning modern stock markets and exchanges. The 19th and 20th centuries have witnessed the formations of numerous share markets including Bombay Stock Exchange, 1875, Tokyo Stock Exchange, 1878, Hong Kong Stock Exchange, 1891, S&P, 1957, NASDAQ, 1971, and Shanghai Stock Exchange, 1990. Stock markets have come a long way in the last 500 years, but fundamentally today's stock markets are not different from their ancestors, it is still about buying and selling of shares to earn maximum profits. The history of them won't be complete without discussing the crashes and bubbles, which we will explore in the next episode.